Hello, my name is Kevin, and I'm with my co-host, Beth. Hi. And you are listening to the Faith Moving Forward podcast. Hey, this is Kevin and Beth, and welcome to another podcast, Faith Moving Forward. And today I'm really excited. I've got Apostle Liberty Heiss with us today of Spirit Move Ministry. And Liberty is someone, um, Liberty, you actually showed up in my YouTube feed several months ago. You know how YouTube kind of tries to figure out what we like and don't like. And YouTube knows that I like the prophetic. So all of a sudden one day Liberty popped up in my feed and I began following her, and she posts quite often, which I love, and and I've been following um, most of her posts whenever I can. And one day I stumbled across, actually, your testimony, Liberty, on the 700 Club way back. Yeah. I think it was four yeah. or five years ago. But first, just want to say welcome, Liberty, and thanks so much for being with us. Oh, it's, it's awesome to be here, Kevin and Beth. Um, I'm looking forward to our discussion, and i uh, just honored to be on with you. Yeah, we love it. Thank you so much for doing this with us. We are just wanting you to share with our audience a little bit about your childhood and your growing up and to give a kind of a background for everybody so they know where you're coming from. Yeah, um, well, basically, um, I was not raised in church. Um, I did not have any kind of Christian background, religious background of any kind. Um, my parents, they basically split up when I was a baby, about one years old, they divorced and, uh, I lived with my mother for a while and she couldn't handle the responsibility. She, uh, was basically not really responsible. She was an alcoholic and had a lot of issues. And so she basically took me to my father's house and kind of left me and my brother on his doorstep when I was one and my brother was three. And so that was kind of my, that was kind of my beginning. And so I grew up with a stepmother um, and she, Marie, she was great. It wasn't that I, I didn't have that, but still you, you have the rejection and then none of us were serving Christ. Nobody in my family, you know, there was none of that. And so there wasn't a knowledge of, where to go to, or Jesus is there for you. You know, you didn't have any, I didn't have any of that. And so, um, basically you fast forward and I get to where I'm 11 or 12 years old and my dad gets a divorce from his second wife. And when that happens, there's just a lot of stuff that goes on. I ended up in a foster home for a minute and, you know, so my, my father was accused of some things by my stepmother. And so that kind of caused a problem for a minute. And so I was put in a foster home. And then after that, my, my real biological mother came and got custody of me and I'm giving you guys a lot of detail. Is that okay? So my, uh, my mom, my biological mother, she was remarried to someone. Um, and actually they were by all whatever looked like they were doing well, um, not of course serving God or anything like that, but she came and got me out of the foster home and took me and got back custody of me from my dad. 
and was was not going to let none of that happen. But she was sober at that time for a minute. And so basically back when I was a baby, she was, you know, scared, alone. You know, I mean, I can give her that. I'm not going to, there's no judgment, you know. She was young, scared, alone. And so then she leaned on the drugs and the drinking. um, And then she just couldn't handle having me and my brother because then she chose this other life, you know. Okay. And so, but now she was like, I want to make up for it. And she went and took me. She's like, I'm not going to let my daughter be in a foster home. That's not happening. And so she took me out of the foster home. How old were Uh, you at that time? I was 11. Okay. And your brother was nine? Uh, He was, he's two years older than me. Oh, okay. So he was 13. And so, but at this time, um, when I went into the foster home, my brother went to live with my biological father. He was able to keep custody of him, but because of uh, some of the issues that my stepmother had accused my father of involved females, we were, all of us girls were removed from the house. And so, but my brother was not removed, which, you know, still is weird, but that's how it happened. And so he ended up keeping my brother and was able to keep him and went and left to go do a different life. And so then now I'm with my mother and um, I move into where she's living now with her new husband. And at the time she was, you know, smoking cigarettes, you know, she was doing, you know, she was probably smoking marijuana. There wasn't a lot of heavy drinking at that time. Uh, It was more like on the weekend and it wasn't like all out alcoholic. I'm losing my mind. I'm all doped up. It wasn't, it didn't get there yet. And so, because she was happily married, and uh, he had a very good job, and they had very good income, and they had a nice house, and she had a very good job, and they were just doing well, like your average American person who doesn't serve Jesus. And so, but um, he had had previously a couple of old DUIs, and the way it worked at the time in Arizona is third time you're out, you go to jail. It doesn't matter. Um, three strikes, you're done. And that's the rule in Arizona for drinking and driving. And even though his stuff was old, it was still on his record. So he got pulled over um, for having a beer with him. And so then they were like, well, we don't care how long it's been. And, you know, basically you have a good job, an upstanding citizen, three strikes, you're out, you're going to prison. So they, so they, so they sent him to prison. No questions asked. Uh, He couldn't fight it or anything. That freaked my mom out, of course, and um, they had good a good savings, and so she was good for a while. She could live off the savings and her job, but then after about a year and a half, uh, the savings ran out, and he wasn't out of jail yet, and she couldn't survive on just her own income, and so she literally like did what she did when she gave us up. When we were one in three, she basically went off the deep end. And uh, it was me and my sister, and my sister is younger. Um, I did not grow up with my sister. This was the first time she was ever um, in my life officially. And she was uh, two, about two and a half years younger. And so okay. um, me and my sister, we were just there with my mom. And then she started becoming friends with drinkers and like real partying people, not just your average, we have a beer at a barbecue on a weekend your average American family, it was like those, the people that drink every day, do drugs every day, 
their whole life is drinking and drugs and partying. And so I basically went right into that life with me and my sister got thrown into that. And so that's basically what my life was like until um, my mom then got with another, another husband. And that's where you kind of get more of my story that I told on the 700 club. And that's, I was 13 or 14. Um, he was, he was abusing my mother because they were always drunk. There were, there was always fights. It was just as how it was in the house. And, and then he basically, I came home and he was the first time he was beating up my mom. And I basically stood up to him, which I shouldn't, I shouldn't have done necessarily, but I was already like a fight or flight and I don't, I don't run. So I was already (laughs) figuring out that I was like that. So I stood up for my mom, um, in between him and my mom. And I told him to stop it, leave her alone. And, and then I went and sat in the living room. He told me to get away or whatever and shove me. So I went and sat in the living room. And um, then he came into the living room. He was a, a big biker dude. Okay. And he came in the living room and I didn't even know what was happening. I was just sitting there and all of a sudden, next thing you know, uh, something is hitting me in the face and it broke my, broke my nose, uh, oh, busted my, my lip. I, oh my I saw black. Oh. Um, I didn't even know what was going on. Um, I didn't know till after that he had kicked me with his steel-toed boot right in my face mm. and basically broke my nose and busted up my face and everything. And so then I oh. didn't know what else to do. So I ran out the back door as soon as I came back to, cause I saw black for a minute cause he knocked me out. And then when I got out, I went to the neighbors who knew me and was friends with my mom and I told her what was happening. And so she called the cops yeah. and in an ambulance and they came and arrested him. And then they checked me to make sure I was going to be okay. And I didn't need to go to the hospital. Okay. And so then there was a restraining order put on him. The police did it. They were like, you can't, you can't come back here. You can't be near Liberty. You know, you can't be a part, you can't be near her mother. You you need to stay away. And so, so a couple of weeks went by and my mom couldn't handle it. And so that's when I went to school and I came home off the school bus and I walked up to her little, uh, the little uh, trailer we were living in. And I went to go into the, to go in the front door and there was um, boxes outside and a note that said, he's in, you're out. Oh, oh my God. You take your stuff. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's hard and for hard me to, to fathom. I can't believe yeah. it. And, and so she basically was like, literally that's what the note said. Basically he's in, you're out. You can take your stuff and figure out somewhere else to go. And so. I went back to the neighbor that helped me the one day. And so she let me stay there with her and I lived with her until, uh, a, another family member, my aunt caught wind of what was happening and she came and got me and took me to live with her. And, you know, How and about so your basically sister? That, my sister, she, she ended up. So after I went to live with my aunt and I was doing all the, the dumb things before I, I got officially saved. I was, you know, all the stuff, and you know, for my 700 club, I was with the wrong people, basically headed down my mom's path, and I didn't want to be, but I was, because it's just, you know, this is what happens, it's generational curses, it's it's the way it is, you know, and so I just continued on with 
just becoming her basically. And then right after I was radically saved, and I can tell more about that, but my sister was killed oh. um, when she was 15. Oh, wow. And uh, so she was my first major death, which was uh, very, very hard and just oh. horrible, horrible, horrible. And she had a high school boyfriend they had dated in high school. And he was a couple years older than her. He was like a grade below me. And they broke up. And her and a friend had gone over to hang out at his house because uh, they were still friends with a couple of other people that he was friends with, other teenagers. And uh, he was there cleaning his gun. Oh, no. And he basically, I don't know what was being said. The friends say that, you know, she was talking to him about how they broke up and uh, he was irritated or didn't want to hear about it or whatever. And kind of like, was it accidentally on purpose? Yes. So basically what happened was, is he went up to her, put the gun to her chest. He said he was just trying to scare her and he threatened her and said, you know, um, I'll shoot you oh. and put it up to her heart. And oh uh, he says he didn't know there was a bullet in it. And so he said, and she said, you're not going to do that. And this is what the other witnesses said that she was like, you know, um, you're not going to do that. And um, he said, yes, I will. And he went click and killed her. Oh, wow. And she literally, it was a, and it was the kind of bullet that explodes when it goes in. Oh, Liberty. I'm so so sorry for, man, for all that you've been through. And so that, that happened right. But I was already saved. Um, I had already had my salvation experience. It was about six months after that. She was 15 and a half, and I was like 18 and a half at the time. Okay. Um, I was saved right before I turned 18. I was 17. So, but yeah, so she, she's been gone for a while. How long had you been saved at that point? I only was about six months. Okay. So or very... seven or eight months. I got saved towards the end of, uh, right before I turned 18. I was still 17. Okay. How did you end up getting saved? How did that all come about? Well, when my, when my sister died, um, from, uh, well, actually, now that I think about it, let me think back to the timeline. I think it was, no, I was already saved because I went and preached to her, which was a whole nother thing. That's a whole nother story. A week before she died, God kept telling me, you need to go tell her about the end times and you need to tell her that it's real. And I did a week before she was killed. Anyway, um, My my first uh, evangelism. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Anyway, but uh, I'm trying to remember what was going on. Uh, I had I had first I had gotten with the person um, uh, my ex husband that I was married to. Um, he was over seven years older than me. Um, I don't know how much of this you know yet. This part of the story, but I'm not no. going to go into a lot of it. But he was over seven years older than me. I was 16. Okay. I started hanging out with him and um, just basically doing things we shouldn't be doing drugs and all that and uh, living the party life. And he was much older and all his friends were much older. So that was happening. And towards the end of me being 16, I, when I started having um, all the demonic, seeing all the demonic stuff, being able to, I was starting to be able to see demons and I could recognize them and I knew when they were around me and really? um, 
And it just, that's when all that began. And I couldn't go fully into all that on 700 Club because I had like 15 minutes. Yeah. It's pretty to tight. tell my whole story. Yep. Right. But, um, but on what had happened was, is uh, first I started uh, getting attacked with demons and they were just like coming at me. I didn't know what was going on. I started having weird like um, boils on my legs, like sores that were coming from nowhere. Really? And it, it had just been bad for about three or four months of, of all this stuff. But I didn't know at the time it was demonic because I didn't know about Jesus. I mean, of course, we celebrated Christmas and we had Easter and all the normal American things. But we there was no religion. I didn't know anything like about the Bible or anything. And so I knew nothing. And so I didn't know what was happening. I just knew something was wrong. And I kept telling my ex something's wrong and yeah, something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but something's wrong. Mm. And so then that's when he connected me or said, because his parents were Christians. And so I got his uh, connected with his parents and they are the ones that connected me to the Pentecostal pastor oh. um, with my first meeting was uh, my ex's parents. And so he's the one that told me when I went in to meet and I told him all my symptoms and everything that was happening, he said, it's demonic. You're basically under attack and he, this is what you need to do. And he read scriptures out of the Bible to me and he talked to me about rebuking and binding sure. and how you ha- how to take authority. Um, and I knew nothing. I wasn't even saved. And so, um, <laughs> Wow. I didn't know what was going on, but he said that's what it was. And um, so I did not know if that was true, but um, until later. And then, so more time went on. I kept getting attacked with the black demons crawling on my walls. And the man of glass, um, I don't know that that's all in my, I don't know if the man of glass made it into the story, but basically one of the final things that led me to start searching out for Christ. This is what was what led up to it was I was living in an apartment with my ex and we weren't married or anything like that at the time. And um, we were just there shacking up and I had, he was at work and I came out to come into the living room area and I was just 16 and I come out of the um, living room area and all of a sudden I see these black things crawl like, hundreds of them crawling on the wall towards me. And I had just woke up like there, nobody was doing drugs. There was nothing weird going on. It was just me. I just woke up and I was coming out of, of my room. And um, I was like, Oh my goodness, what is that? So I ran back in my room to try to assess what was going on because I had no idea. I had had all these other symptoms, but I hadn't really had, you know, hundreds of demons crawling on the walls coming at me. And so I was like, what in the world? And so, I knew I had to get out of the apartment uh, in my mind because I didn't know what was going on. I thought I just have to get out of here. Um, I can't be here. Like something's wrong. This is all wrong. I need to leave. And so I came up with a plan of how I was going to get out. I was just going to be faster than the demon and I'm going to have to outrun them. And so I came out and they came at me so fast that I ended up like tripping and falling backwards. But before they could, like, leap onto me, uh, I just did what the pastor told me to do. And I literally just pointed at them, and I said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. 
And um, as soon as I said that, poof, they all disappeared. Wow. Man, I can feel the glory. That um, is... they, literally just, they literally just all disappeared. And I was like, whoa. But <laughs> at the time, I wasn't thinking that worked. I wasn't thinking anything. I was like, okay, I can get out of here now. <laughs> and so I grabbed wow. my purse and, and I ran out. And so the part that did not get in the 700 Club, I don't believe because they, they didn't have room for it. But when I got out of the apartment, I had my purse and I was like, okay, I'm safe. I'm out of there. Um, I'm going to go walk down to my friend's house and I'm, I, you know, I need to get out of here. Like there's evil stuff in this apartment. And, but I didn't know, like, I couldn't say there's evil stuff. I just knew bad stuff was happening. And so then I walked out the driveway and as I'm walking out the driveway to the end of it, all of a sudden I'm like, you know, breathing heavy and I'm like, scared and I'm just like walking like oh, I got to get out of here and it was a really long driveway well when, as I got to the end of the driveway from behind I felt the hair on the back of my neck stand up and I knew I was like oh man and so I turned around like very scared to see like why is my the hair on the back of my neck standing up I turned around and there was literally like a nine foot man of glass it was a demon, like nine foot tall, really shaped like a very muscular man, and he was all glass, and I could see through him, but enough to see his shape that he was a man, like a, a looked like a male, and um, I saw him, and literally he just looked at me, and in that split second I turned and I started to run, and I saw in my peripheral vision that he was going to start running after me, but literally I don't even know how I know this, but I could see him being cocky on his face. Like he wasn't even chasing after me fast. He was going to start coming after me slow, like to be cocky. Like really you, you you think you're going to be able to get away from me. You cannot run me. That's like how he was acting. Mm. And I literally saw it on him. I don't even know how, what I, you know, because I didn't know enough about Jesus back then how I could even discern that, but it was like, literally, he was like, you can't outrun me. Go ahead and try. Like he was just laughing at me and I turned to start to run. And after like literally taking four steps, I was, this is where the beginning of apostle Liberty, no showed up. I didn't know who I didn't know I was going to be apostle Liberty. Uh And I was like, you know what? In my head, I was like, I don't have to do this. I said, I don't have to do this. And so I turned around and I literally looked him right in the face and I pointed at him and I said, um, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get out of here. And literally, poof, he disappeared. Really? And, um, and I left. I was after that. I was like, I ain't even looking back. I'm out. And um, but that was my first experience that Jesus was real. <laughs> I didn't know fully yet. It, it, I didn't get officially saved until like seven months later. I didn't. I didn't know yet, but it started everything. And so then we moved to a different apartment because I told them I ain't living there. So we need to get out of here because we need to find a new place to live because I'm not going back. I'm not, I'm not staying at that apartment. And so, so then we moved to a different apartment. So because of everything that had happened, I was like, okay, I just started searching. And for that first six months, we were in the other apartment. We, by that time, we had just got married. I was just like a, like 30 days over 17 mm-hmm. and he was 24. We got married Wow! and we were living in this apartment and on my own, 
he had no involvement necessarily in it. it on my own when I was home alone and he wasn't there, I would pray to God if he was there. If you're there, God, if you're real. And I just started praying every night. Wow. Lord, if you're real, protect me, be with me, protect me from the demons, from the evil things. And I didn't even know what to say because I didn't know if he was like real, you know? Yeah. And I just started praying. And then I just was like, huh, my grandma had gave me a Bible right before I got married because wow. she knew we weren't serving Christ and she was uh, Methodist and she grew up Methodist okay. and she knew we weren't serving Christ. And so she had given me a Bible and that was her gift to me at my wedding. Mm. And Beautiful. so, um, and so I had that Bible, but I had never even cracked it open. And so, but I had it and I was like, Oh, I have my grandma's Bible. And so I just, I don't even know. I just opened it and was like, huh. And I just started looking through it and I, I didn't even know what I was looking for. I was just like, there's something going on. There's something to this, you know? And, um, that happened, that was going on. I did the searching for about three months, three or four months. And then, you know, before I turned 18, when I was still 17 is when I was literally sitting on the floor of my living, living room. And I was just flipping through TV channels and all of a sudden Pat Robertson came up and the 700 club. <laughs> and I'd never even seen it or heard of it in my life. And I literally just, because I don't even know, was mesmerized by it and sat there and just watched it. It was like 30 minutes into the show. I watched the last 30 minutes. And then at the very end, um, Pat asked, is there anybody who would like to receive Christ? And I didn't know what I was doing, but I was like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to receive Christ because I think I'm supposed to. And so <laughs> um, or I need to, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so I did. And, um, and then, you know, you know, as it was on the 700 club, all the rest of it made it, made it on the show. But then I went into a deep sleep. I felt super tired. I know that I know now that that's deliverance, you know, manifesting and all that. But at the time I had no idea what was going on. I just was really tired after receiving Christ. And so I laid down to go to sleep. And then like 30 minutes later, I woke up. And I was trying to wake up, but the demons were holding me down. They were muzzling my mouth. Uh, they were holding my eyes closed so I couldn't open them. And I started kicking and flailing my arms around, um, trying to get the demons off of me. And they weren't leaving. And so I started to just say the name of Jesus, and I couldn't get it out. And I said the name of Jesus, and it took like 20 times. And then I forced it out as loud as I could. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And then it slowly pried its hands off me. And then I could see and I could open my mouth. And, and the next thing you know, uh, I'm just sitting there like, what in the world is happening? I had no clue what was happening. And next thing you know, I hear like the sound of screeching, like metal on metal, um, going along the back of my couch slowly. Like the, the the devil was smirking, like, man, she got saved, you know, like this is irritating, but he was still being smug and he slowly ran across the back of the couch and was like, for a very long, like very long scraping sound, evil scraping sound. And then, um, all of a sudden I heard a loud screech, like a demon screaming, like he was angry. And then slowly I saw it head towards the window and then the dark thing went out the window and screamed on its way out. And really that was my whole salvation story. 
Wow. And I got up, I freaked out, I grabbed my grandmother's Bible, and I cried. I just sat there on the floor and cried because I had no idea what was happening. And, you know, yeah. I don't even know. My guess is it was Satan himself. I don't know. But because it was very, it was very extreme. It was like he wanted to try to keep me from really, he wanted to not let me get saved. Right. So, and he really did not want me accepting Christ. And so. And here the, um, the Lord was like, not only am I going to save her, but watch this. Watch and yeah. see what I'm going to do with her. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's amazing that experience happened right after you prayed and received the Lord and went into that deep yeah. sleep. That to me is so obvious how much Satan did not want to let you go. Okay, and we are going to cut it right there as we get into what happens after Liberty's salvation and what God led her to do and what she encountered. So look forward to that on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Faith Moving Forward podcast. Please consider subscribing to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you currently listen to. 